0: I am Sergio Brodsky and I'm a brand and foresight strategist.
1: And I'm Jez Giuliani, the editor of Marketing Mag. Welcome to Futurecast, the podcast where we talk with professional futurists, renowned academics, and high profile business leaders from around the world.
0: In this series, we think about the future so that we can meaningfully change the present. The time is now. Join us for better futures.
1: week, We' are back with Bridget Engler, who is a trained futurist and senior lecturer in strategic design, foresight, entrepreneurship, and innovation about why marketing trends are not our friends. Listen to episode nine to hear part one of our conversation.
0: To your point about trends, you actually make uh, I mean something that is would contradict what many marketers you know would think about trends. you You say very openly, trends are not our friends but trends can also be quite helpful or, or, or not. Uh, where, where are we getting trends wrong?
2: For, from my perspective, trends are an indication of what's going on now and what has come before. They are not necessarily an indicator of what is going to happen, happen next. There are, if you look at trends over however long, you can see that there are trends that have peaked and died. There are others that have emerged and taken over. Uh, So trends are not necessarily your friend, particularly if you're saying, well, everyone else is doing it, so I better do it too. Unless you can respond very quickly, um, then you're going to be following a trend and that's not necessarily that kind of distinctiveness or differentiation that you're really going to be wanting you see it a lot with the the sort of the more fads that we see in a lot of uh, food brands everyone a few years ago was basically saying oh we better be green uh we we better put gluten-free labels on i'm still really shocked when i see a gluten-free label on an avocado and that's when they are not your friends because you're kind of following a pattern and what that means is that we're we're teaching people that people who buy our brands, we're teaching them to consume that in those ways, which means there's no critical thinking imbued in that. The other challenge with trends is the expectations that come from that. And I think sitting here, um, as we've come out of the second significant lockdown, right now, we've, we've experienced this situation globally around pandemic. And we have talked about and known about the possibility of pandemic since the early 90s, quite definitively since the early 90s, but we didn't pay attention. And of course, the elephant in the room around this is the trends of climate change or the ignoring of climate change. So these are things that had indicators and we've ignored them, but we will follow trends of, oh, well, that's selling really well, so we'll do that instead of paying attention to the other trends that exist in our world. Uh, So trends are problematic. Uh, It doesn't mean that they should be completely ignored, but we need to remember that they are an indication of what's going on now. And we cannot assume that people will continue to do the things that they have always done, because their preferences change, their values change, their lifestyle changes. Um, and that affects brands if we think that we're, we're just going to continue on doing what we've always done. Unless you're a brand that has a, clearly integrated particular value sets or, or attributes, and I'm, I'm thinking of bigger brands that have really solid foundations, um, and they don't follow trends. Uh, they know who they are, they know what they stand for, and they're not flip-flopping in the wind as the next big comes along.
0: No more trends, no more trends reports.
2: <laughs> <laughs> trends reports are great because they tell you what's going on, but it's not necessarily going to help you make a decision about the next five years. It's entertainment. And, yeah, and it's it's how you read them as well, because there are excellent reports out there, but it's what happens when someone says, Well, so and so said that this is going to, this is the big trend now, and they think that's going to continue for the next five years. Uh, there are too many organisations, hello, Kodak, hello, Nokia, <laughs> who, who believe that and we've got enough all, enough out there that says they're not always the thing to follow that makes me, you know, very, I, I, I'm, I critique them. Um, I don't think they, they shouldn't be reported on by any means, they're, but it's information. And this is then that, that difficult we have with with big data and the sense that we can get all of that historical stuff and it's going to tell us what we need to do next. Uh, The the issue with futures is that they don't exist and it's up to us to create them. So if we want something different, we have to imagine that rather than working from just what has gone before. And that's not to downplay the role of of learning from history. Uh, We have had decline of civilizations. We've had shifts in values for eons, uh, and we, we can learn from that, but it doesn't mean that we have to just have history repeat itself over and over again.
1: Mm. Yeah, having some control of that, of the future, I think is really an important thing to talk about Um If I knew, the the thing that really has solidified for me how short-lived trends can be is being on TikTok this year, because obviously that has been one of my hobbies during during COVID, (laughs) and it just made me realise how short-lived a trend can really be, because something that was everywhere at one moment has just disappeared, and you forget about it completely. So I actually wanted to change gears slightly, and I'm really interested, obviously, because you have experience and expertise in design. And I'm really curious what you think about, you know, you mentioned before human-centred design um, and I'm I'm curious what you think about, you know, we hear these terms like human-centred design or environment-centred design, but how do you think these concepts translate into practice and how do you envision the future of design?
2: Design is, is a practice that has the capacity to bring about change. And it does that when we change behaviour, when we change responses, when we encourage people to do things differently, engage with products and services differently. In fact, just the way we create stuff. One of the the challenges with all of that is that design is more than form and function um, and, and and particularly getting caught up with just the aesthetics of form and function. Design has a significant impact on, on the world around us in terms of uh, the energy and resources used and the materials used and the proliferation of consumer culture and materiality. Having said all of that, design has always really meant to be about problem solving, whether it be for, for people or organisations or or other you know, sentient and non-sentient life forms. Um, mm-hmm. And so all of the, the, the phrases around design thinking and human-centred design or beyond human-centred design or transi- whatever the next buzzword is, sometimes they are just buzzwords. Uh, that mm-hmm. is not, however, to diminish the practice of design and the study of design as a means of, of supporting better lifespans of supporting better living, of supporting ecosystems. Um, so there is a tension inherent in design that it has been mostly linked with consumer culture and, and the con- ongoing consumption of things. And I mean, things, mm-hmm. uh, whereas design itself was that that's not really the origins of it. And if you look at, and I don't want to bombard you with theory, but you look at work that looks at like Buchanan's work on the four orders of design and how design has evolved from communication and symbol through to systems levels. It's probably always existed. It's just that we've never kind of codified it like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So the, the shift from human centered design to beyond human centered design is an acknowledgement that even when we talk about human centered design, we're actually cutting things things out of the 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 context. So when we design for people, we're potentially focusing on those people and not other people. Um, You know, good design should take all of that into account. And it's the same with when we talk about environmental or sustainable design. It shouldn't be an add-on. It should actually be the foundation of what we do. We shouldn't be having to have conversations with clients about um, the manufacturing materials or the manufacturing processes that go into design projects. We we should just be able to make better choices, um, and and that then gets back to you know, who's making the decisions and who gets to influence. And there is a big role for design to make change. Uh, mm. It's not always going to be possible though, because not everyone will be part of that we that's talking about it. And and this is one of the challenges with with foresight but but anything that we do that when we talk about we should be doing this or we should be doing that which we is that who is in that we and who are we, who are we making decisions on behalf of when we exclude others in saying well we do this and you do it that way it's kind of an othering that often happens. Uh, in, in terms of futures for design ongoing change or we, there, there is still support for design as a means to transition to or foster better futures for all of us and that is real and it is palpable and we see we see it in the actions and decisions that are being made at policy level by organization because design can influence policy uh, but that doesn't mean that human-centred design and a bit of design thinking is going to fix climate change because if it was going to we've had enough of it thrown at a whole lot of different things around the world for the last well at least 10-15 years and we haven't quite fixed it yet mm-hmm. so th- this is back to the mindset and and the, the beliefs and values of the people that we're engaging with because we can change all of the practices around us but if we still believe in something that is not espoused within that, that design artifact that we're seeing or using, um, then there is a mismatch and, and that disconnect is is a bigger potentially a very big issue because we continue to to pursue the things that are useful to us and serve us instead of wanting to make the change and we, we are, we as people are potentially the ones who are most guilty of that. And I, I, I look at that with, with all of the, the, the shifts that we've seen, the growth of cafe culture, uh, that we you know, we love sitting outside, but it's cold, so we put a heater up. Uh, and, and that's mm. not necessarily the most environmentally sound decision. But you know what? It's cool. And it allows us to support a small business. Uh, it allows us to give someone who's got a, a, a chance to run their own cafe to, to do um, I don't mean that to sound as a, you know, a it's not a diatribe. I'm, I'm not down on doing that. I'm not you're being negative about doing that. It's simply thinking through those consequences.
1: Content Brains specialises in content creation across a diverse range of topics for many industry sectors. If you need help with content development for your blogs, thought leadership, white papers, video, podcasts, or special projects, talk to the team at Content Brains. You'll find links in our episode notes. You know, as, as you said, Bridget, they, I mean, I've read reports where you can see that, you know, th- there's a disconnect even between what a consumer is saying about, you know, yep, they, they're right about sustainability. This is the kind of products that they want to buy and what they actually spend their money on. Um, and not wanting to admit that. And then there's also a disconnect, I think, even with brands and marketing between the values that you purport online and, you know, the things that we like to market about ourselves, because obviously it's very, it's desirable to be seen in a certain way and to be seen as sustainable and all those buzzwords that you mentioned. And then the things that you actually do, you know, in the supply chain and in the way that you actually operate business. So I'm just sort of curious of your, your thoughts about, where do you think organisations are lacking when it comes to embedding sustainable practice? And are there any brands that come to mind that you think are doing it really well?
2: One of the brands that I was supportive of but sceptically supportive of was Thank You
1: mm. because
2: I found it really intriguing that an organisation that ha- had the, the purpose that it, that it defined and I suppose, you know, their angle. I had a lot of respect for what they were wanting to do. But my question was always around why have we got another bottle of water? Why do we need a brand that does cause stuff by putting a whole lot of water in bottles and packaging it and shipping it elsewhere? We just need to stop doing that. Mm. And when they announced recently that they were going to stop producing water because it had never really been the thing they wanted to do, they recognised how bad it was but it was a launch pad for something else, I, I felt really heartened by that, that a brand not only has the strength of character to say we got that wrong, but it was a means to an end and that was probably still a bad approach But and we acknowledge that now. You know, There's a maturity in that that I, I have a lot of time for. However, it's, it's about us as people making choices uh, if if we if convenience is the thing that serves us at that point of time, then we're going to go and buy the prepackaged meal. We're going to order takeaway. Pandemic has has led to all of this online purchasing, uh, and I don't know how many people are thinking through what that means in terms of you know I bought this from the other side of the world and I got it in three days and it was a lot cheaper than buying it locally. Like yep. And what are the costs of doing that? Not the mm. the, the dollar cost, but the environmental cost. What's the physical resource use? to get that thing from the other side of the world to you? Did you think that through? Mm-hmm. And I think there were brands um, during uh, lockdown in, in Melbourne uh, that were constantly sending me messages I did not need to see. Um, And I I really got fed up with a couple of the the bigger department stores and and some um, homegrown brands telling me that here are the pyjamas I need so they don't look like pyjamas during lockdown. Here are the things I need to buy to make my home cozy, that you are constantly encouraging me to consume for no reason at all. And mm. they lost my patronage for that reason. Now, I'm just one person who makes a decision. And I'm really sorry that that will lead to a decline in sales. And then the, I, I know about the consequences of that. Mm. However... We as people need to make a stand around this. We can't consume our way to sustainability. We basically can't buy our way out of the situation that we're in. And so we need to look to brands that when they say they're authentic are actually authentic. And that's what I liked about the the thank you statement, that we're we're changing. I also know that there are brands that probably get chastised a lot for the work that they do, Um, like Coca-Cola and Pepsi. They're big. They deal in sugary fizzy drinks, but they also deal in a whole lot of other stuff. And I'm not here to defend them by any means, but they are able to do things um, and we can learn from their mistakes, particularly if we're we're smaller brands. Um, Mm. And that openness and transparency that gets lauded a lot, I actually don't see it as much as I want to. Um, There's been a couple of uh, mining and resources companies that, did some really bad stuff this year and it's had consequences for them. It's just whether that kind of information will continue to be conveyed to the populations of the world in ways that we can go that can help me make a decision about things because often we think economics before um, ethics. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, it is. It is It is complicated. It's a very, very tricky situation, which is not too different from trying to understand the future when we have so much opacity, so many weak signals. Uh, but, you know, having this this futures literacy is something that gives us a lot more confidence and reduces a lot of the stress as well about these many unknowns. But considering that you possibly has one of the sharpest radars in the the southern hemisphere, one of the sharpest anticipation radars. (laughs) <laughs> and also as a way to wrap this conversation up, especially because you just mentioned about the pandemic, and I think this is this is the first podcast that we are only talking about COVID, the pandemics, the outbreak. At the very end, it's usually you know something that you, we start with, but let's let's close with that because <laughs> what I would love to love to hear from you is what can you share with marketers and the broader business community to succeed in a post-COVID environment? Obviously, not 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 sending uh, useless messages to buy things that you. Don't don't need is definitely one but what else
2: so my first thing would be to clear about what post covid means because essentially we probably don't have post covid mm. uh, in the same way that we don't have post polio or post rabies mm-hmm. mm. The coronavirus COVID-19 is here, and it is not about to disappear anytime soon. Even with a vaccine, it's still something that is around. There are numerous mutations, and in a recent scenarios exercise with a client, we we semi joked, but we we did talk about COVID-21 mm-hmm. uh, because as of uh, the need to anticipate further evolution of novel coronavirus and indeed other viruses. I I get a little bit excited but slightly terrified when I hear about glaciers melting and um, a a bunch of bacteria that are thousands or hundreds of thousands of years old um, and them coming to life again. Like we're not equipped to deal with that. So the first thing was what is post-COVID? Post-pandemic is probably... A better term to be thinking through because we're not pr- over promising and that's the other thing that I, I'm, I'm fearful of is over promising that we'll be able to get back to doing this or we'll be able to get back to doing that. Um, that, that whole notion of new normal or new, uh, the newer normal which was a phrase I saw uh, being used. Uh, it, no, it, it, this is now normal. Uh, What was normal six weeks ago was normal and what we have now is is normal. But it's a shift and it will continue to evolve in the same way that we're not in the same space and we're not the same people that we were five months ago, let alone five years ago. Things have shifted and, and there is no going back. Uh, brands need to uh, take that on board people might not buy the things that they bought from you because they don't need them anymore they also might have decided that they can make better decisions about what they buy and and your product or service might be one of those that doesn't mean that it's the end of the world we might have to change our expectations about sales figures about what kind of supply chain we need to have and this is then going to put pressure on other things inevitably Whilst we live in, in a world that is driven by market economy and, and the su- supposed free market, um, we're going to have to grapple with this. And some brand owners might have to change their expectations of what their sales figures are going to be. We also might have to change our expectations of what brands do and what they can deliver. Uh, there are there are always multiple possible futures, and therefore multiple possible alternatives and opportunities for brands Uh, but my my sense is that this you know the shift or what's been talked about as the great reset might not happen as soon as as some might want it to simply because we are being promised a vaccine we are being promised the possibility of travel we are being promised the opportunity to go back to the way things were and it's whether we have got the headspace to consider whether the way things were is actually the way things we want, want want to be down the track and I'm not saying just six months from now but five or ten years from now if if we consider what that looming what, what, what the looming futures are and no and, and I think it's in the article you know, no one wants to deal with those dark dystopian futures but mm. that's pretty much what's on our radar and and we may need to make some significant changes if we're going to prevent some of those and at least mitigate some of them um, and brands can be responsible for that brands can lead that and it it might take brands being brave and having the courage to say we're not going to do this anymore because because it's really bad and we know you love it and you might just go and buy it from our competitors but it's actually really bad. So if you really like us and you believe in us as a brand, then you will support us not doing this anymore.
0: Which I think is a, a beautiful way to build the case for foresight in marketing. If uh, there is anything that can, can help brands, marketers, society, consumers to deal with all these uncertainties that we have right in front of us and beyond, Futures Literacy is something that can certainly help us better navigate and come to some, some safe harbour in the end of the storm. Bridget, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us at Futurecast.
2: It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, it's, um, this is a subject and a, a practice. This is dear to my heart. So thank you for the opportunity.
1: Futurecast is the Marketing Mag podcast series brought to you by Content Brains and presented by Marketing Mag. Futurecast is produced by Joanne Davies, Head of Content Brains and Publisher of Marketing Mag and Jazz Giuliani editor of Content Brains and Marketing Mag. Our executive producer is Sergio Brodsky with original music and audio production by Sam Boone. If you want further details on our podcast or our guests, please visit the episode notes in this podcast. Remember to subscribe to Futurecast so you never miss an episode.